Well, hopefully you've got your Bibles ready. We're going to get into uh, the Word of God this morning. And we're going to pick up where we left off last week. Book of Philippians, chapter number 1. Philippians, chapter number 1. So turn, turn your Bibles over there if you would, please. And if you remember, the last few weeks we've been looking at the book of Philippians. And uh, we've been studying uh, specifically on the topic of rejoicing. And this, uh, uh, this book typically gets uh, attributed the title, The Epistle of Joy. Uh, but what I really want to uh, focus and rein in on here is not so much the epistle of joy, but this can be um, explained as far as this epistle is concerned. It's it's practical Christian living, practical Christian living. And we, uh, we looked at several different things, and we're actually going to be coming uh, to the, uh, the key verse in chapter number 1 uh, here, with the key verse being that of verse number 21, and uh, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Uh, last week, we, we made our way through, uh, through to verse number 20. But for context of this message, I wanted to back up to verse 18. And we're going to read from verses 18 through the, uh, the fulfillment of the chapter. Uh, but this chapter specifically, remembering that Paul has been encouraging the Philippians uh, to remain joyful, he does so as he himself remains joyful. And if you remember, he talked about where his joy was and how he rejoiced in them. And then he encouraged them to rejoice in what was going on in his situation, being that he is in prison. And so we left off with Paul reminding the believers that as long as Christ remains the focus, as long as Jesus Christ remains of utmost importance and focus, nothing can take away his joy. Now, pick that up in our own heart, in our own lives. As long as Christ continues to remain the focal point in our lives, nothing ought to be able to take away and rob us of our joy. Nothing. Nothing should be able to do this. Uh, The reminder of this chapter is seen, or the remainder, I'm sorry, of this chapter is seen in two parts specifically, verses 18 through 26, which shows to us the attitude of a healthy Christian. And then verses 27 through 30, which is where we'll get into next week, which is the behavior of a healthy church. And we're going to look at those two things uh, um, uh, separately. This week, we're going to focus in verses 18 through 26, uh, the attitude of a healthy Christian. Let's read from verse 18 through the remainder of this chapter, and then we'll, uh, we'll get into this morning's message. Philippians chapter 1, verse 18. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice. Yea, and will rejoice, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing... I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, 
whether it be by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I want not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for, for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. And whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And boy, isn't that a needful passage for today that we be separated, but we can still be of one uh, spirit and one mind. Verse 28. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident uh, token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which ye saw in me, and now here to be in me. Father, we ask, Lord, that you would give to us wisdom as we digest your word. And, Father, that you would cause in us a change, Father. Lord, uh, some may be tuning in today who do not know you as personal Savior. And they're wondering what this Christianity thing is all about. Father, for that individual, I pray, Lord, that you would hide anything of me that would get in the way. Father, that you would speak through me in spite of me. And Father, that you would use your servant. Father, for the one who just needs encouragement today, Lord, I pray that they would see you as all-sufficient. Father, for the one who perhaps knows you, but has not surrendered to allowing their entire life to be about you. Father, I pray that you would draw them to you, causing them a fire today, Lord, that, that cannot be quenched. Father, a desire and, a, and an earnest burden to be able to say with the Apostle Paul, for to me, to live is Christ. Father, we pray these things in your Son's precious name and for his sake. Amen. I'd like for you to take a look at a few things with me, if you would. As, as I mentioned, the two parts specifically... Uh, we're going to be looking at the first of these two parts, and that of the attitude of a healthy Christian, the attitude of a healthy Christian. Look with me at verses 18 through 20. It says, What then, notwithstanding in every way, uh, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. The, the life of one 
who is indwelt by the Lord Jesus Christ. It should be one free from self-concern or from self-worry or worry about self-preservation. Remember what we looked at last week as we got into this text. The Apostle Paul was talking about just a few verses before this. Verse 15, Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of a good will. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds. Uh, and, and what was taking place was here the Apostle Paul is in the prisons, and, and, and because he's in prison, there were certain people, uh, you can go back to the whole, uh, some be of a Paul and some be of a Paulist type of a mentality, and they were saying, look, see, the one that you claim, the one that you, everybody's all about this, the Apostle Paul guy, everybody's about Paul. Look at him, he's in prison now. And they were, they were trying to uh, maybe uh, do a little bit of mudslinging, a little bit of uh, 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 slander on him. And, and he doesn't take a moment with this portion. Uh, he does not go into defending himself. Now, some may say, well, what about the book of Galatians? Paul defended himself in the book of Galatians. No, no, don't misunderstand what took place there. When Paul was defending his apostleship in the book of Galatians, it was in defense for the gospel. It wasn't in defense of himself because the issue in the book of Galatians, uh, Paul is addressing a group of Judaizers who were preaching a different gospel. And they weren't simply attacking Paul. They were attacking the gospel that Paul preached. And so Paul had to, had to establish, this is the defense for my apostleship, which allows me to be able to present to you a proper doctrine and a proper gospel. So Paul was not defending himself as much as he was defending the gospel that he preached because the accusation was, you're not really an apostle and your gospel is false. And so the apostle Paul wasn't trying to defend himself in this. No, 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 no. The apostle Paul was defending Christ. And here we have in the book of Philippians a similar instance where the people are saying something about the Apostle Paul. He doesn't take the time to defend himself. Rather, he takes the time to point to Christ yet again. How, how many times do we get ourselves in positions where we feel the need to, to, to defend ourselves or for self-preservation and what, what's going to better my situation, what's going to make my position better? No, 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 no. The life of a child of God, the life of someone who is truly indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God should be a life free from self-concern. Now, some may say, well, Pastor Andy, that's a pretty tall order. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Well, Pastor Andy, isn't there a balance between, uh, between living a life for Christ and then enjoying the things of this world? I don't believe so. I believe I can enjoy Christ through enjoying my children. I believe that I can enjoy Christ in my marriage. And we, we, we try to get this idea of, of balancing things out. Well, you know, God doesn't want me to be, you know, so focused on Jesus that I lose sight of my children. If I'm truly focused on Jesus, I won't lose sight of my children. If I'm truly focused on Christ, I will be the type of husband that God wants me to be. 
And so as I'm, uh, as I'm looking at Christ and I'm following hard after Christ, uh, I lose sight of myself and lose sight of what I want, and I start to see what Christ wants of me, and I start to become more like him. And, and, and if I'm to take that and, and to put it, well, well, you know, you can't just abandon your wife. I'm not abandoning my wife. Because the more I follow hard after Christ, the more I see that Jesus says, love your wife. Jesus says to, to care for our children and things like that. And when I'm reading his word, the word of the living God that tells me, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That does not mean that I take my wife on, uh, uh, to, to, on, on lavish vacations and I pour um, uh, jewels on her. And, and that, that, while those things are nice and they're sacrificial as long as I'm doing them right, that's not the point of it. The point is that I would love my wife the way Christ loved the church. When my wife needs someone to talk to, but I would prefer to watch the game, I turn the game off. Because that's the way Christ loved me. He did not even think of himself. He thought of me. He put, he, he didn't love, love his neighbor as himself. He loved his neighbor sacrificially, giving of himself. And so when I look at this thing and I try to say, well, you know, I, there, there's times where I'm going to focus on Jesus and then there's times where I'm going to focus on my kids. No, they come together. They come together. While I'm focusing on my children, I look and I say, how can I do this in a Christ-honoring way. That's what the Apostle Paul meant when he said, for me to live is Christ. You see, Paul is accepting of something here of both possibilities. I want you to notice what he says. Uh, we just read verse uh, 18. Look what he says in verse uh, 20. Drop down to verse 20. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, this this word for an earnest expectation, uh, it gives us uh, an, a, a picture of straining of the neck. He couldn't wait. Have you ever, you wanted to see something so bad and you were straining your neck? Maybe, a, uh, maybe your loved one was coming home on an airplane or something and you were... You were straining. You were standing there by baggage claim, and you were straining and watching as the people uh, got off the airplane, and you you were looking, and you were crazy. This is the way Paul says he's earnestly expecting something. Notice what he says here. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body and catch this last phrase here that he says whether it be by life or by death don't miss this don't miss what he's saying right here often often people are fine with God gaining glory from this, you know, this life. Maybe even from others. You know, we, 
we show up and someone plays an instrument, sings a song, gives a testimony, and we're, we're, we're happy about that. We're grateful. God is getting glorified by the message or by the singing or by the testifying. God is getting glory from that, and we're okay that God receives glory from that. Sometimes we're okay even if the Lord should desire to use us <laughs> to gain glory. Well, the Lord can have glory in my life. The Lord can be glorified by my life. You know, this is not just an attitude of disinterest. This for Paul was an attitude of eagerness. He wanted everything about him to glorify God. Paul is not just okay, though, with God being glorified in death. But he desired it. Hear what Paul is saying in this. If someone has my life, and I'm okay with them being glorified in my life, why would I not be okay with them being glorified in the dark times as well? This is what Paul's talking about. And what a timely message for today, what's going on today. We, we, have, uh, we have people who maybe they surrender and say, Lord, you can use me in any way you, you see fit. You can, you can take me and send me to the furthest reaches of this world. If you want me to go to, uh, to some indigenous tribe in South America, or you want me to go to China, or you want me to, uh, to, to be a pastor here locally, or you want me to be a missionary, or you want me to be a Sunday school teacher, you can use me in any way you see fit. What if perhaps God's desire to use you is through your suffering? Are we eager about that? Are we desirous to see the Lord use our life and our death? Well, I, 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 need, to, I need to stay... I need to stay locked away, and I don't, I don't want anybody to, to don't, don't anybody come by my house. Don't anybody come shake my hand. Don't anybody come look at me funny. Don't anybody, wait a minute. I, I'm, I'm not about living foolishly. Please, don't twist my words. Somebody, I, 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 can, I can see it now. Somebody's going, well, you shouldn't be doing this. Calm down. What my question is, are you okay for God to receive glory through your suffering? And not just okay with it. Do you look forward to it? Or do we try to run from it? I don't think Paul was... I don't think Paul was trying to... You know, I don't think he was walking up to the guard saying, Hey, can you beat me one more time? think he was doing that but i think what he's saying here is if that's what it takes to bring glory to god i'll go through it he didn't run after the persecution but he rejoiced in the thought that god could be glorified through it notice what he does here look at verse 21 for to me, to live, 
is Christ. And to die is gain. Can I say to you as Liberty Bible Church, this ought to be our motto. These six words should sum up everything about the Christian life. Everything about it. There in verse 21, to me to live is Christ. Is that your heart's desire? To me to live as Christ ought to be the entire focus of every part of our being, every fiber of our being should be wrapped up in these six words. To me to live is Christ. The basis for Paul being able to live this type of victorious living is found in this verse 21. When we go back and we look at what he, how can Paul not want to defend himself? How can Paul be okay with, with the, these people saying the things that they're saying about him? How can Paul be okay with being in prison? How can Paul be all, all right and rejoice with the thought that he may, listen, he's in prison. He knows very clearly. He knows that he might be executed any day now. He understands this. And he's okay with it. Matter of fact, he earnestly, eagerly looks for it. How can he be this way? How can he? No one, people say, that, oh, no one can live that kind of life, Pastor. I believe that they can. I believe that they can. But if we skip verse 21... We never will. To me, to live is Christ. Another way to transliterate this passage would, would be this way. Christ is my life. Can you and I say that today? Beloved, can we honestly say with Paul that everything in my life, my whole life is about Jesus Christ. All of it. I, when I wake up in the morning and I, I pick up uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the newspaper, I do it with Christ on my mind. When I grab my cell phone and I check the Facebook, or what's going on with Facebook or with Instagram, uh, it, it, can I honestly say I'm doing that with Christ in my mind? When I, when I help my children to get breakfast in the morning or I help my my wife uh, preparing dinner in the evening or whatever it may be that's going on about my life can i honestly say i'm doing this for christ i am doing this as a way to live for him we can do that but we just choose not to so often so often well come on pastor that's a really tall order you're asking of people i'm not asking it Jesus Christ himself asked it. He says, unless you're willing to deny father and mother and follow me, you're not worthy of me. So don't, 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 don't think for a second that I'm, I'm trying to be this mean person coming along and saying, hey, you're supposed to live a perfect life. That's not what I said. I just said make your entire life, even your mistakes and failures, make them about him. Why do I view my failures as failures? Because I want to please him. 
Why do I look at my sins as, as, as something horrible and detestable? Because it's about Him. For me to live is Christ. Ask, ask yourself, the things that I am doing, the things that I get up in the morning and do, are they for my personal gain? Are they for my personal interests? Or are they for Christ's glory? I'll happily give up anything to glorify the Lord. Can we honestly say that? Can we honestly say for me to live as Christ? Now, this next part of this verse, to die is gain. (laughs) Paul actually saw the idea of death and life as simultaneously beneficial. Can you see that? For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Listen, gain is always more of the same. So if, let's, let's use the, you know, the analogies I like. I like. I like food analogies. We're sitting at the dinner table, and uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the turkey has come through, and the mashed potatoes have come through, and the gravy has come through, and, and little goes by, and I notice I didn't put enough gravy on my mashed potatoes, and I forgot to put gravy on my, on my turkey, and I forgot to put gravy on the stuffing and on the beans and on the corn. And, you know, gravy goes with everything. Just, just pour the gravy on the plate and just kind of mix it, you know. Just, and, and I excuse me, can I have some more? <laughs> like little Oliver, please, sir, may I have some more? And, and, and you look across the table, and, and I, I need more gravy that's what he's talking about for me to live is christ so my life is christ all about christ 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 and to die i get more i gain while i'm living here on earth (laughs) i can do so in the presence of jesus christ but when i pass from this world to the next Guess what? I'm going to be in his presence again. And so as I'm going through this life and I'm going, I'm looking at the, at the idea that uh, my, the, the way I am a husband, the way I am a father, the way I'm a pastor, the way I am a, 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 a neighbor, the way I am, the, I do it all with Christ in mind and I'm doing this for him and then there's going to come a day where my faith will become sight and I will be able to look upon him and be in his presence. What can be wrong with that? So for me to live, I'm going to live for Christ and when I die, I'm doing it for Christ. It's all about him. Or am I holding on to this world with every fiber of my being? Don't misunderstand me. Uh, I, I, I truly love my life here on earth. I, I, am, I, I love my wife. <laughs> I adore my wife. I absolutely cherish all three of my children. 
I love something specific about each one of them, and and it, it, they are blessings from God. I was thinking last night as I was going to sleep, I just, in my mind, I went through all four, my wife and all three of my children. I just said, thank you, Lord. I don't deserve it. And I don't look at my children and my wife, I don't look at the life that I have as as something about me i look at it and say god you are so good and and because you are so good to me the wife that you have given me i'm going to husband her for your glory i'm going to partner with her for your glory the children that you have given me, I'm going to show them you, not me. I'm going to make it all about you, God, because you are so worth it. If this is truly the heart of someone, for me to live is Christ, all I have is Christ, I get more of what I already have, Christ, Christ, Christ. If this is truly the heart of someone, you can easily see why criticism doesn't bother them. Who cares what somebody's saying about me? I have Christ. The life that I now live, I live in the flesh. But it's Christ's life. So if they want to say something, let them say something. You've heard it said many times before, dead men have no feelings. I'm dead to myself and I live for him. Why would I let things bother me? We can can easily see criticism. Look, you cannot hurt a man whose life is all about Jesus Christ. (laughs) As I read this and I look at it, I'm humbled because I look at the way Paul handled criticism and he handled uh, uh, the people who were um, uh, slandering him. And I think to myself, wow, Andy, you are nowhere near ready for, to be able to say for me to live as Christ. I, I hope that if the day comes, that I too can say like Paul, no big deal for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. Look at verses 22 to 23. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I what not. For I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. I want you to notice what Paul says here. Paul's desire was not to get away from here. You know, we, we, we hear people make statements like, um, uh, oh, you know, I just can't, this world's getting hor- more and more horrible every day, and I just, I can't wait to get away from all of this. I can't wait to just get away from this world and be in His presence. And the emphasis sometimes gets just a little <laughs> misconstrued. The emphasis becomes getting away from here. Paul did not want to get away from here. Paul's desire was to be with Christ. 
He didn't say, oh, I can't wait to shuffle off this mortal coil. No, he says, I can't wait to be with him. But he says that he is, he's conflicted. He is conflicted. This is what he means when he says, uh, uh, for I am in a strait betwixt two, there in verse 23. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of stuck. I'm conflicted. What would, what would I prefer, he says? having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better, but look at verse 24. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Is, is this our attitude? If, if I go, I am with Christ. If I stay, I, I, can, I can be with Christ and help you be with Christ. That's what Paul's saying. He says, I'd love to go and just be with the Lord. But it's more needful that I stay to be an encouragement and a help and a blessing to you. Verse 24 through 26, if we were to read that, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall be able and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. <laughs> Paul was very practical in this. I want you to notice something. This is, we, we look at the Christian life oftentimes and we say it's, it's, it's so impractical. No, it's not. Paul is very practical in the way he comes at this. He knew he had a role to perform and he was determined to perform that role no matter what. He was determined to fulfill what God had for him to do. And what is it that God had for him to do? It's the same thing God has for you to do. To enjoy him. We were made in his image. I, I, I teach this with the kids. We were made to glorify him, to be like him, to be with him, to enjoy fellowship with him. That's what we were created for. And, and, and the things that, that the Lord allows me to do ought to be with that in mind. Okay, I get to go to work. How can I enjoy him while I'm working? Instead of, well, I got to go to work and I'll enjoy him later. No, it's all about him. When I come home and, 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 and I'm tired and I'm worn out and I, I'm just frustrated and I, you know, and I think to myself, I just want to go in and sit down on the couch and watch TV and just be stupid. Then I walk in the house and I have children that need my attention and a wife that needs to talk to someone. I can enjoy him in that. And I can just say, Lord, wow, thank you for the extra strength. And thank you, Lord, that you never come when I come crawling to you saying, Dad, I need to talk to you. I never have to hear, Son, not right now. I'm busy. I can enjoy him in that. Paul was very practical. Many say things like, oh, the Lord should just come. Can I, uh, can I say if that's the attitude of someone? Oh, the Lord should just come and finish this. 
If that's the attitude, that individual needs to get busy. We all need to get busy. We all need to be serious about our relationship with the Lord here, but how do I find this kind of joy? How do I find this type of joy? Verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ. Listen, if, if my life is about my hobbies, <laughs> if my life is about my, my work, Think about that for a moment. Some people, they live for, their, uh, for, for what they do, and, and their entire identity is wrapped up in, in where they go or what they do or how they, uh, their business life. Or what, and, and, and people are finding very, very quickly <laughs> that may not be the case for long. What about the businessman who uh, his entire identity is in him being a businessman, but he is not uh, allowed to go to work today? Is his joy gone? What about the, uh, uh, the family whose, uh, uh, whose children are states away or maybe countries away and they can't be with one another right now? Is their joy gone? You see, if I make Christ the focus of my life, my joy can never be gone. Never. Because he is always there. He never changes. He's always the same. He is the great I am. Let's look at just a couple things here by way of application. There in verse 20, we saw Paul's eager expectation was to honor Christ by life or by death. You know, you know what Paul understood with that? He understood that he didn't have that much control over his life. And you know, there are many people today that we, we, <laughs> we need to be reminded regularly that we do not control much of our life like we think we do. And right now, with everything that's going on in the world today, we are reminded that we don't have control like we think we did. We're reminded of that. And don't lose this opportunity. Sometimes we need that reminder. And when these reminders come that we don't have control like we think we did, when those reminders come, uh, is there still joy? Is there still joy? Understand the the mark of our spiritual maturity is in how quickly my joy can be taken away. Not only rejoicing, but can I say that I rest in His provision? I rest in that. I'm okay. I'm all right. If bad times come, I'm okay. Can I ask you this? Is, is our sole ambition that Christ be glorified in our lives? Is that our sole ambition? 
God, I want you to be glorified in my workplace. God, I want you to be glorified in my neighborhood. God, I want you to be glorified in the way I'm, I, I act as a father, as a mother, as a husband, as a wife. God, I want you to be glorified in the way I act as, as a son or as a daughter, as a brother, as a sister. God, I want you to be glorified in... Is that our sole ambition? Listen, can I say this with all candor? This is not the life of a lunatic. People talk about, oh, man, he's, just, he's just a Bible thumper. Can I say with all kindness that the life I'm talking about right here is not the life of a Jesus freak. It's the life of a Christian. And Paul is encouraging the believers in Philippi to live this life. He's instructing them through this entire book on practical Christian living. It's, it's simple. The life of a Christian should be a life of Christ. If this is not how I am living, I've got work to do. People say, well, pastor, I can't be perfect. I didn't ask you to be perfect. I ask you, is there something this? I, I say this time and time again. What is the one thing in your mind right now? Don't, don't, don't excuse it and look for something else. That's what we do. It's like, okay, well, you know, this is what the Lord, I don't want to deal with that right now. Let me think of something. No, no. The one thing, that first thing that popped into your mind, when, when I, it's, there's, we need to change. If this is not how you're living, we need to change. And you went, ooh, yeah, this is what I'm doing over here. That thing, focus on it. Address that. Address that. For to me, to live is Christ. To push that to the side is evidence I'm not living for Christ. For me to shove that off to the side and say, I'm, I'm not going to worry about that right now. The pastor, he's just a little bit, uh, he's a little overzealous, you know. Is evidence I don't want to live for Christ. When we live earth-focused lives with earth-focused goals and view death as loss and life about us and not about Jesus, we are living like lost people. When I'm more concerned about the things of this world and, and you know... It, I love talking to my brothers and sisters in Christ. And people, you know, I, I, you, you hear them say it. I, think, I miss being with, I miss being in church. And I miss, I miss spending time with the people of God. I miss, listen, <laughs> if I'm more concerned, I miss going boating. Or I miss, uh, uh, I miss uh, the, uh, uh, the baseball team, the softball team, the football team, the basketball team. I miss watching this. I miss going here. I miss doing these type of things. And it's not about, listen, I just want to spend time with the Lord. Look, you have all the time in the world. Spend it with God. But we live earth-focused lives. And we have earth-focused goals. We are living like lost individuals. Let us live, as Paul said, for me to live is Christ. I live in His presence. 
and I live and I know that death will bring me more of him one day. Which is the ultimate gift. Jesus Christ. Please hear me. I, I love my family. I absolutely love my family. And, and I don't want to leave my family for anything. But Christ. I love my wife. And, and listen, wives need, children need, husbands need. I understand that. But Christ is everything. And if Christ is going to be magnified in my children's life with me not around, that's what I want for them. If my wife would draw closer to Christ by my not being around, that's what I want. I love my wife, and I love my children, and I love being with them. But I want for them that they would see all I need is Christ. That's all I want. What about you? Can you, with Paul, say, for to me to live is Christ. You want to know how to get through these struggling times, and these difficult days? <laughs> and if you watch the news for any amount of time, we're, we're not out of the woods yet. So it's going to be a little while. You want to know how to victoriously get through it all? Turn your focus on Him. Make your life all about Him. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And just rest there. Father, I come to you, Lord, because you are the only one worthy of my attention. You're the only one, Father, that can honestly and rightly respond to me. You're the only one, Father, the only one who can supply my needs, the only one who can fill me with joy unspeakable, the only one, Father, who never changes. Father, you've promised to always be with me. And so, Father, when I make you the focus of my life, I can rest in the fact that it's unchangeable. So, Father, help us, Lord, as we go through these times that we would bring our focus back on you. Thank you, Father, for making us people that can have joy. We pray, Father, that you would watch over the homes that are represented here today. Father, that you would fill their homes with your very presence, God, that you would woo them, draw them close to you, draw them close to one another. Father, in this time where the busyness of life has come to a screeching halt, Father, that you would be evident and seen high and lifted up. We 
praise you for that, Lord. Now go with us for the remainder of our day. Father, if there be any that tuned in today that don't know you as personal Savior, Lord, I pray that they would reach out to someone online today. That they would call and get in touch with us. That, Father, they would, they would seek your face as you call them to you. Father, for the one who just needs encouragement, I pray, Father, that they were reminded of the one who can encourage and remains closer than any family member. I pray, Lord, that you would just continue to be seen. And, God, that we would be able to say, whether by life or by death, we eagerly expect you to be glorified and for Christ to be seen magnificently lifted up. Now to him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the throne of his glory. We pray, Father, that you would continue to grow us and to change us. Amen.